Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Prove Me Wrong podcast. As always, I'm your host, Pete Leave. I'm glad you're here with me again tonight. Tonight, we are going to continue our discussion with Donald Jeffries. He's the author of Hidden History, an expose of modern crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups in American politics. We were talking the Kennedy family, and in our first episode, we talked through Joe Sr. and the early years of the Kennedy family up up to the assassination of JFK, and we're going to continue right now with the remainder of the podcast already in progress with Donald Jeffries. Hope you enjoy. So you've been talking now for, I don't know, 10, 10, 12 minutes now about this, and now you have me convinced that this is a bigger cover-up than not going to the moon, or it would have been a bigger cover-up with more important people than the going to the moon. Because again, you're talking about all these high-level people in, in the government, yeah. FBI, CIA, vice president, secret service agents, the press corps has been pulled back, all of these different things that had to go exactly right, and all these people that had to be, but maybe it wasn't as difficult because those people are all used to covering things up. Maybe maybe it isn't as difficult. They're all used to that type of lifestyle versus anybody who might have, uh, but if we're just talking the pantheon of conspiracies, I mean, that has to be right up there. Well, sure. I mean, and I think the the what the what I mentioned before about uh, NSAM two seventy three with McGeorge Bundy having the confidence to draft yeah. that, he had to have known this was not going to fail. So they were going to see. So that's why I believe they had professional. They certainly didn't have a Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, you know, type uh, unstable guy uh, doing it. They had professional assassins there. JFK was not going to survive the motorcade. Uh, they had too much at stake. And I believe, again, they, they – and if you, if you look at what has happened since they killed JFK, look at the presidents we've had since then. None of them have – other than, you know, you can look at Donald Trump's rhetoric in 2016 mm-hmm. that, that certainly – but none of the other candidates. I mean, I guess maybe Ronald Reagan's rhetoric a little bit, but uh, – and, of course, he had an assassination attempt right, right. after he came in office right. too. So uh, – but if you look at it, they have not been threatened since then. Uh, and certainly JFK was the only president in the modern era to reject war. And he rejected over and over again. He would not go to war for the Bay of Pigs. He would not go to war for the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he wanted to pull out of Vietnam. This is something that they will not allow. Uh, you know, when they order these presidents to, to, to send troops somewhere, they do it. Mm-hmm. They don't balk. Uh, JFK did. And so I think they, uh, they realized they had made a mistake. And since that time, I guess they, they vet the... Uh, the politicians a bit better, but what they really feared was not just JFK, but there was a Kennedy dynasty. That was not myth because RFK would have been president. There's no question after JFK. So they looked at, okay, if the, if, the, if they're doing these things to really say he abolishes the CIA, uh, the Alliance for Progress and the, the Peace Corps uh, support all these uh, independent insurgent movements all over the world. So the CIA doesn't have any power to, they're not there anymore. They can't install puppets, and it's a natural antidote to communism, so it really does defeat communism with nationalist movements and uh, just kind of a power to the people, kind of a populist thing. If that happens, if uh, the Federal Reserve is really looked at and scrutinized, as there's some indication JFK was going to do, uh, if these things happen, these uh, these change the dynamics everywhere. And then if, if Robert Kennedy comes in afterwards and takes over for his brother, after eight years, he's going to continue the same policies. And then if Ted Kennedy comes after that for eight more years, you're looking at a Kennedy dynasty where those kind of policies are going to be implemented. And none of them are to the liking 
of the establishment that has ruled everything. So they couldn't have that. And uh, so, you know, once the once John F. Kennedy was killed, RFK's uh, signed his death warrant because, I mean, as I've said many times, RFK would never have been assassinated if JFK hadn't been. And uh, so this is, you know, this this was inevitable. And uh, there's just uh, the law of averages. I mean, we can talk about all the Kennedys that have died naturally, but there's mm-hmm. so many and more than people think uh, that, you know, you just look at any family. It just it, it's it defies every actuarial odd that you could you could come up with. And uh, I think that uh, however you did it, but people, you know, people, again, they think that you have to have a grand uh, meeting with conspirators and are you going to do this? You're going to do that. They, these people know how to, they, they know what happens. Like for instance, they, J. Edgar Hoover, he was asking about Lee Harvey Oswald in 1960. He, he sent out a memo in 1960 saying there's concern that someone is, is impersonating Lee Harvey Oswald. Now wow. that tells you that Lee Harvey Oswald, whatever he was, he wasn't a minimum wage guy working in a, in a book warehouse. That's not what he was. So they knew about him even then. So this was, you know, these things were happening at the time and, However, the logistics work, I don't know, but we, we see it in so many other things. Look at 9-11 or something like that where people, they don't have, or even something like you talked about the moon, what people say about the, the, the moon flights where, you know, you know, how many people would have had to be involved? Right. Really not very many. Right. Yeah. Because most lot. people, no, because most people, they're in front of their computers, they're assigned whatever task and they're excited about what they're seeing and they're, they're, they're not in on any kind of conspiracy. And especially and so just did, given the technology of that day, they were looking at right. essentially they're looking at a Pong video game, right? right? They're exactly, just looking at a, at, a, exactly. at a dot on a on a screen. It's not exactly. like it is now where they can actually literally see video right. of this thing taking right. off. They right. weren't looking right. at that, right? And so that's when say so you know, people get oh my uncle worked for NASA. Well, okay, okay, okay. What do they do? Okay. They, they put the <laughs> bolt on the on this yeah. rocket engine. Yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I don't think he was privy to anything <laughs> above that, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, the only ones we know were, would have had to be involved were the astronauts themselves. Right. And I guess, you know, whoever, however many people at the top. But and, beyond that. And a lot of their a lot of their reaction after they returned. Uh, oh, absolutely. Was incredibly sketchy. I mean, they're, absolutely. for people who yep. had just gone to the moon and come back, the greatest achievement in humankind. Yes. They weren't even as happy as Lyndon Johnson being sworn in. Uh, no, after, exactly. You know, quite exactly. honestly, they, they went exactly. to the moon and came back and they were not as happy as Lyndon Johnson's wife when Lyndon Johnson was getting sworn in. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, yeah, exactly. And, and you somebody don't, had just died for that. Uh, yeah. And you don't, you don't, you know, you look at like, like Harold Weisberg told me, you don't, the media don't have to be told to cover up. Again, they're just, they, they act this way. They just know not to investigate. They just, they, and the, the ones that do, you know, for instance, in the JFK assassination, there were some journalists early on that we're going to investigate let's see what happened to them dorothy kilgallen who is one of the most famous if not the most famous woman in the world in 1963 she was a regular on what's my line she wrote a newspaper column on broadway or something she was very well known very powerful context for whatever reason she she had some old-fashioned journalistic lois lane type instincts she got a hold of this jfk assassination and i was shocked i wrote an article recently for a deep truth journal about uh this i didn't even know that she had early on you know while the warren commission was conducting the invest- investigation 
investigation. She was writing, you know, a column after column, exposing a lot of the stuff that Mark Lane and people like that would be putting in their books because she was planning on writing her own book. Mm -hmm. Now, she ended up dying very mysteriously. There's no question she didn't kill herself. I mean, I, I, there's a lots of reason to believe that. But her notes never reappeared. Her research was never found anywhere. And she supposedly gave them to her, her best friend, whose name escapes me now at this moment. But that friend was a kind of a, a grade C actress who had actually dated a young John F. Kennedy back in the day. She died like two days after Dorothy Kilgallen. Same age, you know, 40-something, 50-something like that. Uh, again, very mysteriously. So that's one journalist mm -hmm. who died. There there was a uh, another journalist that was uh, – who was a local guy. I'm, I'm escaping. The name is escaping me now. Uh, but he was he was one of the many mysterious deaths. He was writing a book on the assassination. He was killed by a karate chop to the throat as he exited his shower. That's the official cause of wow. death. How many people die like that? And he just happened to be writing a book about the Kennedy assassination. Notes disappeared as well. So uh, that's why it was left to people like Mark Lane, Sylvia Marr, Harold Weisberg, the, who were uh, not professional journalists. They're the ones that produced the work, uh, that, the books that did get published. But um, so early on, some journalists, you know, and maybe some of the other journalists out there got the message. I don't want to be killed by a karate chop to the throat as I'm getting out of the shower. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, what happened to Dorothy Kogallon to happen to me. So I, I think they learn. And eventually by the time, you know, I, there was a local journalist here in DC that uh, there's just a mentality they have. I, uh, she was the one who, in, who uh, interviewed the, uh, the nurse at the uh, Sandy Hook elementary school and gave her a, a, a personal interview that talked about how, what a wonderful beloved kindergarten teacher Adam Lanza's mother was at the school. Now, as would subsequently turn out, she had no connection yeah. to the school at all. So I, I emailed her because I kind of know her. And I said, uh, you know, what did you think about that? Did you, I mean, did you talk to the nurse again? How could she possibly make a mistake like that? That she was a beloved kindergarten teacher when she had no association with the school? And she put in her response, uh, yeah, I did wonder, but there was no conspiracy. So she saw right through me. And this is this is the mentality. And it's infuriating. I, I, I you know, the, the journalists I've talked to, that's what they don't have to be told. They Nobody has to tell them to cover up. They just know. And it's uh, they don't ask the questions. And it's uh, it's. Uh, and that's so just, odd that people who, you know, those questions are there. You know that they're in their mind and, you know, they swallow them. There's no possible way they can't say wait a minute, right. this just doesn't make sense what you just told me there. Um, mm -hmm. That's infuriating. It really is it infuriating is. When, you're, when you are swallowing your natural instinct to just ask the, the logical question. We're not trying to make you do some leap of faith here. Just the logical question. Why were you wrong about Adam Lanza's mom not being a kindergarten teacher there? You work right. here. You are the nurse at this school. Right. You gave us every indication that you saw her daily at the school. <laughs> exactly. By saying exactly. she's a beloved teacher. Right. So. Well, that's what you and that's that's what they would do if you. But again, I think they know. And, and that that tells me that they know there's something out there that they have to, to fear, because otherwise, yeah. if they believe there was no uh, conspirators lurking somewhere, they would want to make a name for themselves. Hey, yeah. look, I exposed this person was lying for some reason. Right. I mean, that should be a big story. But. I mean, I can give you tons of other examples like that. There's, uh, for instance, there was, uh, again, I wrote about a lot of these in Hidden History, but 
there was a guy that's been uh, uh, completely forgotten to history. His name's R. Bud Dwyer. He was a Pennsylvania state treasurer who very uh, luridly shot himself, blew his head off during a live press conference in 1987, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, it got some play because of that, only because of that. And the people like the Washington Post, they, they played up the, the, the sensationalist aspect. Uh, and every story, and I mean every story, described that he came out and read a long rambling statement, always described as a long rambling statement. At that time, there was a newspaper called The Spotlight, uh, which is, you know, slandered as anti-Semitic and, uh, you know, people, the establishment hated it because it actually had a lot of subscribers back then, including me. Now, I now write for the American Free Press, which is the, uh, who took over when the spotlight was driven out of business. The American Free Press was reborn uh, kind of in their tradition. But the spotlight interviewed R. Bud Dwyer's wife, and she gave them the long rambling statement. They published it. The only outlet in the country that published it. So people were telling me, well, you that's an anti-Semitic source. I said, it's the only source. Right. I mean, where else was I going to get it? Nobody else published it. Read the statement. It's it's a detailed description of the corruption of gov- then-governor, Pennsylvania Governor Richard Thornburg, who went on to become Bush, the, the elder Bush's uh, attorney general. And it talks about this garden variety corruption. I was using, you know, uh, transportation and funds for his family and just petty stuff. But Bar- D- B- Dwyer, as a treasurer, called him out on it and said, hey, you know, you, you can't you can't use official, you know, take your kids to school and all this stuff. Thornburg got so incensed, he set out to frame Dwyer for crimes. And he went out after him and persecuted him, destroyed his life. And Dwyer, I, I, I don't agree with what he did. I think he could have t- taken another way out. But yeah. he felt he thought by killing himself and reading that statement, again, naively, he thought the press would. I mean, you talk about a story. Right. This should have been front page news. It should have been a state treasurer blows his head off at press conference after reading scathing indictment of governor. No, long rambling governor's name's not mentioned. So unfortunately, he didn't understand the nature of the press. That, to me, that story proves the fact that not a single outlet other than Spotlight, who <coughs> um, wasn't there, they just interviewed the, the wife or they wouldn't have known. No one mentioned what was in there. So that tells you how, and I, and I don't think, did every news organization, I don't think they knew that he was going to read that. So did they all tell their reporters, hey, you know, don't say what was in that note. But somehow, now maybe some of them did go back to their editors or whatever and say, hey, you know, we need to run this. And, and they poo-pooed it. I don't know. But Which is especially odd because Thornhill at that time wasn't Bush's attorney general. He was, no, he was just he was the, governor. What, the governor of Pennsylvania. Governor. It doesn't seem, right. That doesn't seem to be such a level that it would no, be a national it, cover-up. It doesn't, but it, it was. And I, I you know, I, unless, okay, you know, he's bound for bigger things. I, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is that that's what happened. And, uh, you know, how many people had to tell them to do that? I don't know. So I think that in the JFK assassination, you have normalcy bias and these, especially the, there's such a you know, hostility between the mainstream media. I mean, they hear people like us talking about the mainstream mm-hmm. media and, and, you know, kind of criticizing them all the time. I mean, God, everything I write is, you know, I'm blasting the media because they're, they're horrible. And, they, you know, we don't, have, we don't have a real journalist. There are no investigative journalists in the mainstream media. If there were, we wouldn't be able to talk about this stuff because everybody would already know. 
you know, there would be, right. what, what would these, what would we even be doing shows about, you know? So uh, I guess in that, that uh, regard, it's, it, it gave me something to write about and you something to talk about. Right. So again, when people talk about a big conspiracy, I don't think it's necessary. I think that the people that, pl whoever plans these things, they know human nature and they know that the people out there are not going to, someone would have talked. Well, if someone tries to talk, we know the people that are, that run these organizations, that run these uh, newspapers and television networks, certainly. It's never going to go anywhere. Look, look what happened a, a couple years ago when Sean Hannity, of all people, tried to do some half-assed investigation of the Seth Rich murder. Mm -hmm. He actually, I mean, it was a, it was a, for, I was shocked that it was actually a pretty good invest for, for, for Fox News or anybody. He almost lost his career. He was almost fired. Seth Rich's family threatened to sue him. All because a tiny bit of truth that you can get on the internet seeped out onto that show and uh, you know this and it, it kind of they put a few toes in the conspiracy world right i don't know you know who who controls this but someone obviously does because otherwise as uh one of the all-time one of my favorite tidbits from the, the this world is uh uh joe mccarthy i try to uh, vindicate i think he's been treated unfairly by history but uh and who was, by the way, great friend of the Kennedy family. By the way, Joe Kennedy loved uh, Joe mm. Kennedy Sr. loved Joe McCarthy. By the way, he dated Kennedy's sisters. He was godfather to uh, RFK's oldest daughter. So far, things like that. So um, he was a friend of the family, but he was friends with James Forrestal, who was the first Secretary of Defense. You know, they used to be called Secretary of War under Truman. He uh, fell, or you know, was pushed out of a window at Bethesda Naval Hospital. Uh, he went in there, you know, and, and obviously murdered. Right. He claimed, and, and he was first first big critic of Israel. He was not going along with the program, and uh, he was good friends with Joe uh, McCarthy. And Joe McCarthy later said that uh, he told me one time, you know, Kennedy, you know, McCarthy, this wasn't a big conspiracy. Once in a while, they'd make a mistake in our favor, and that's the way I look at it. Once in a while a good person would get through. Yeah. Somebody would enact some good stuff. If it was just random happenstance, the system somehow manages to block that, to stop that. So that, for instance, when Trump was running in 2016, some of his populist things, you, you just knew they weren't going to be allowed to happen. And they didn't. You know, so I mean, what, what regard if you, you know, whether it's his ineptitude, he was never sincere to begin with, or the system just stopped him from doing it. It doesn't get done. So that's, you know, I don't know. Is it is that all because somebody's orchestrating it or is it because they have the right pieces in place too? a lot of times is that if they get the right people in positions of power, they can count on them. You know, Charles Dickens talked about this back in the 1850s in one of his great books. And he, he all throughout the theme, he kept talking about the people in charge who are experts at how not to get it done. <laughs> this is the 1850s, yeah, yeah. and and we we still see that. So I mean, there's so much incompetence that you you don't even really need. They don't need to be conspirators. You just put the right incompetent person in there, and you know that nothing nothing good is going to happen. And, They're going to mess it up. So I think that's a lot of that is what you know is part of this. I believe. And, and in reality, you know, one karate chop to the throat is probably coincidence, but then one karate chop to the throat, and then uh, suicide gunshot to the back and to the head, you know, two shots. It's <laughs> yeah. probably not started starting. Suddenly it's not a coincidence anymore. Maybe you should start taking this seriously. So I can understand why maybe you don't want to report on it when people start dying who are doing it. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And and you get, you know, there's so many people in the JFK assassination alone. I mean, I, 
I talk about it in Hidden History. I've got tons of people. They all reported the same thing. They're getting threatening phone calls from people saying, so, you know, and are these people that are associated with Lee Harvey Oswald? I mean, you know, who are calling him? So right. obviously, you know, I don't know this is, uh, but this, this it, certainly you go through uh, a lot of these events, 9-11, certainly the Clinton body count, Oklahoma City, these kinds of things, tons of unnatural deaths. And it's the same kind of thing where people that are in the way, they die. And you see it even through Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. Mm-hmm. She had tons of people, you know, the guy that was going to testify against her that died when he dropped a barbell in the gym on his throat and crushed him to death. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, and he was just happened to be about to testify against Hillary Clinton. So, you know. Or the guy who drowned with the gunshot wound in his back. Yeah, he he yeah, drowned I mean, in the river, but he had a gunshot wound in his back. But, yeah, but yeah. it was a drowning. That's what yes. <laughs> accidental drowning. <laughs> Sure, or, you know, Gary Webb shoots himself twice in the head. And exactly. There's, there's more, there's more though. I mean, you know, I, can that be done? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't know if you'd had the wherewithal to fire that second shot, right. you know, but uh, they, they expect you to, and his family believes it. Let me go back to uh, the Warren Commission and especially some of the photographs of Kennedy after he had passed, some of the post-mortem photographs of Kennedy. I've also read that some people don't believe that that's actually based on the condition of his head after right. the final shot, that that picture of him could not have been him. And that there were actually there, I guess there was actually another, there was a, a police officer who, who had bared a, a pretty good resemblance yeah, to him. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that yeah. So, I mean, do you think that uh, the, those pictures of Kennedy at the end were actually even him? Well, you know, there's, there's certainly, I, I'm, I'm skeptical of anything, but I do know that if they are of him, however you look at it, the back of the head has certainly been tampered with mm-hmm. uh, because there's we know from Dallas, every doctor and every nurse that saw Kennedy in Dallas all described a huge match of blowout of the back. Yeah, of the head, exactly. Which, of course, is in line with a shot from the front because the exit wound is always bigger. Exactly. So that was one of the first uh, you know indications of conspiracy that, that the critics talked about. Well, when the photographs and, and autopsies later became available, uh, uh, photographs and x-rays, when you see the photograph and you see an intact back of the head, exactly, with just a yeah. small bullet hole. So, and again, that's more in line with keeping a shot from the back. See, there's the entrance hole. So, of course, I mean, either every person in Dallas, all these medical people with lying in the exact same way, or the photographs have been altered. Or just anybody who watched the video. You saw his head come apart in the video. So right. now you're expecting us to disbelieve what we see with our own eyes and say, well, no, right. look, it's just a small wound in the back. Bullshit. We watched yeah. it on, on video. That's what got me. It was that there was nothing left, and so when you see that picture of him on his, it shows his right side. That whole back of his head should be missing. It should be just gone, and somehow it's Absolutely. not. So absolutely, yeah, and that and that's that's certainly one of the the, the big uh, controversies there is that you know, but but again, and even a lot of the people that are in in the JFK assassination research community, which is very dysfunctional, and full of bickering and you know, kind of uh, you know, crazy personalities, but. Mm-hmm. A lot of them will still defend that. You know, you try to say, what do, what do you mean? You, you've got the testimony of every nurse, every doctor in Dallas that described the exact same thing. Uh, they weren't, they could not all possibly, and certainly this is the most famous patient they will ever have. Right. They're going to remember probably more detail about that than anything else, but they're not going to be all mistaken. It's just as the 57 witnesses who said the limousine stopped or slowed down. Exactly. They all were mistaken in the same way like that. Or the two that the people don't realize that the gun that was found, the alleged uh, murder weapon that was attributed to Oswald, the man liquor, the Italian man liquor Carcano, found on the sixth floor of the school book depository where he worked, uh, was found by officers uh, Boone and Weitzman. 
Now, both of them signed sworn affidavits identifying it as a German Mauser. And as Mark Lane said, you know, when he testified before the Warren Commission, he said, gentlemen, I'm not an expert in weapons, but I could have known this, this, this was not a German Mauser. He said, let me see the weapon. He, and they brought the weapon out to him. He says, because stamped right here on the barrel is made in Italy. So as I've said many times, if Lee Harvey Oswald had gone to trial, if it had been an honest courtroom, which it probably wouldn't have been, but if it was an honest courtroom, you like Perry Mason type of actual mm-hmm. rules of legality, uh, they couldn't have tried Lee Harvey Oswald because the murder, alleged murder weapon couldn't have been introduced into the record because the legal chain of possession for it were other sworn, sworn affidavits that identify it as a completely different weapon. There is no way to introduce the, the Mandlicker Cahano in the record because there's no chain of possession for it. So uh, right there, the case is gone. But the JFK assassination is full of those kinds of things. But, you know, people people that argue against it, I don't know what they're they're seeing, uh, you know, but you, you, you studied the JFK assassination for, uh, you know, I first studied it when I was 18. And, you know, after a week or so, you know, of looking at the, the crucial evidence, it's like, God, this is the biggest cover up of all time. This is impossible. Mm-hmm. Whoever did it, it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. So for anybody to claim they've looked at the evidence, the record, I mean, it is you have to be cognitively dissident or you have to have some kind of an agenda. And I also don't, a lot of the people that uh, don't want to believe there are, there is people on the left and I talk in hidden history about the shocking number of people on the left that hated the Kennedys and still hate the Kennedys. And uh, you would not believe it. I have the quotes from them in the record, people like William Kunstler, who was a very far leftist lawyer mm-hmm. who represented the Chicago eight, you know, and, and was, you know, a very celebrated radical lawyer. He in People magazine in the 70s, right after the Judith Camel Exeter revelations came out and the Kennedys were being raked over the coals. And again, just happened to happen at the exact same time uh, the momentum was building for the case to be reopened by Congress. And all this stuff came out at the same time, just by coincidence, of course, to try to make it seem, eh, you know, Kennedy was he was a horrible person. Anyhow, he was consorting with the mafia. He was screwing around on his wife all the time. Besides, he was so sick, he was going to die of Addison's disease. Somehow he had sex all the time, but he also was on death's doorstep. He looked pretty good, but, uh, you know, that's – and that all these things were kind of coming out at the same time to make it look as if Kennedy was a horrible person. But um, at this time, when you're looking at the way the Kennedys are treated, I think you have to take everything with a grain of salt. You know, I, I tell people in my family, if there's anything that comes on television about the Kennedys now, still – I look at it because I can see right through it, as you mentioned about old Joe Kennedy, whatever. The myths are still there, and they they continue. And we can talk a little about Teddy Kennedy as well. There's yeah, yeah, that. absolutely. And so, but but I mean, certainly RFK, he was the first one to bear. You know, he was ruthless. He's depicted as ruthless. That's it's almost affixed to his name. Yeah, Bobby Kennedy was ruthless. You know, he when when in fact he was a zealot, and he was uh, you know again one of the uh, the last before JFK. And certainly before RFK really made it, no American uh, politician had gone to visit the people, the poorest people in America who are in Appalachia. And they're largely white. And uh, that's why maybe nobody went there. But Bobby Kennedy not only made a, a point to go there and talk about their plight, that this is disgrace, having this kind of condition in the, in the wealthiest country in the world. The people are living in these circumstances and they can't get out for whatever reason. They can't leave. It's even harder to get out of than the ghetto. But uh, his his daughter would later produce a couple great documentaries that have been shown on HBO. I think about she's gone back 
to Appalachia. And, and it's, but that's the kind of thing Bobby Kennedy focused on the poor, like no campaign really ever had. And mm -hmm. he made it, he didn't focus entirely on race, although certainly it struck a chord with blacks, especially, but he really talked about the poor and the plight of the poor. And he made it a feature of his campaign. And I, I believe that's why he was assassinated. Just to, for the timeline then. So Johnson takes over in 63. Johnson reelected in 64. Yes. And then what happened to him in 68? Bobby Kennedy was going to be running against him. I mean, how well, was... he, did, he, he feared Bobby Kennedy running against him, but Bobby Kennedy uh, didn't give an indication. But then you get Gene McCarthy, who was the, the darling of the uh, anti-war people. Uh, and really, I'll talk a little bit about him and that sure. another, you know, inaccurate reputation there. But Gene McCarthy, all the college liberals, the hippies, the flower children, they gravitated to his campaign. He challenged uh, Johnson, which was a bold act because Johnson was a sitting president. Mm -hmm. And he almost beat him in the New Hampshire primary. And LBJ was so shook by that. Very strangely, he decided to drop out of the race. Shocked the world. Wow. And uh, so... And then RFK was criticized because then he jumped into the fray. And then he decided, and McCarthy, again, another one on the left, McCarthy hated Kennedy. And I've got his quotes after he was very, uh, his con his comments after JF RFK died were disgraceful. I mean, he basically blamed him for it. He was not, I mean, it was horrible. And I also talk about how McCarthy's staff was filled with ex-CIA people. They gravitated to – this was the anti-establishment candidate. He, no, he was not. RFK was the anti-establishment candidate. That's the one they feared. They did not fear McCarthy. And they also knew McCarthy would st step out of the way, which he did. After they killed RFK, who would have been the nominee unquestionably mm -hmm. after winning the California primary, after they killed him, it was necessary to kill him at that point, uh, Hubert Humphrey, who had not won a primary, he – technically was the last candidate to slip in under that old-fashioned backroom political system where he got the nomination even though he didn't even run yeah. until that point. They just handed it to him. And McCarthy, I don't remember him putting up much of a fight. I mean, certainly at the convention, they talk, but McCarthy was no – he should have been making speeches. This is absurd. Humphrey didn't win a primary. And he also should have been magnanimous towards the Kennedy family. He wasn't. But uh, So very, I think, obvious – that RFK was killed because he was going to reopen his brother's uh, investigation and he knew who killed his brother. And like I said, he wouldn't have been assassinated if JFK hadn't been. They had to kill him. And then, uh, you know, that was it. And then if Teddy Kennedy had run in 1972, in fact, there were actually, there were, there was a movement that wanted to draft Ted Kennedy at the 68 convention. Wow. And, and there's a chance he could have gotten it for whatever reason. I guess he was still shook up about his brother getting assassinated. He withdrew. But uh, if well, again, that just goes back to that one too many karate chops to the throat. I mean, he's just seen yes. two of his brothers, his two older brothers, both assassinated, trying to do the exact or doing or trying to do the exact same thing that they were putting him into right now. Right. At, at some right. point, your own self-preservation has to kick in. Sure, sure. Exactly. And, and uh, so. There's no question he wanted to be president. He felt the mantle of the Kennedy legacy, but uh, Chappaquiddick got in the way. And I, I'm, I'm one of the first people to write about Chappaquiddick critically mm -hmm. in Hidden History. I have a whole section on that. I, I don't believe that Ted Kennedy was in the car. I don't believe he was responsible for what happened to Mary Jo Kopechny. I believe Chappaquiddick was his political assassination. I don't think he found out about it until the next morning. And he was told to make up – he said, you explain it and – 
he did a pretty bad job of explaining it. So, so for the listeners who don't understand what, what happened to Chappaquiddick, the, the story goes that he is in a car with Mary Jo Kopechny. They are, they are on the road at night. He misses a turn. They ended up running off of the side of a bridge yes. and into the, into, I'm not exactly sure. Pucha, Pucha Pond. There you go. Pucha, yeah. He, he escapes. He survives. She drowns in the car. And he does not necessarily, he doesn't call the cops at that point. He doesn't call the cops uh, that night. He doesn't call the cops till actually the cops, don't they actually contact him or he contacts them later the next day or the day yeah, after? So, well, what happened is he, he, uh, he does, I mean, again, his story is preposterous. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous because he probably was drunk. He was a drinker. And, I, and, you know, certainly on the surface of it, you know, Kennedy was a womanizer. Ted Kennedy especially was a womanizer. No question about it. But, uh, you know. Is that criminal behavior? I don't know. You know, certainly uh, maybe not an admirable quality, but, uh, you know, a lot of us are weak. And if we're in that mm -hmm. position, who, who knows what we would if we had attractive women throwing themselves at us all the time. I, I don't know. We're human. Right. You right. know, right. So uh, and, he, and he liked to have a good time. And uh, it, it was a very, very shady gathering because they were gathered together uh, to celebrate the, the yearly regatta. And the Kennedys always uh, had their yacht and, and entered in the regatta race at the Chappaquiddick. So, uh he and I don't know five or six other mar all married men were there with a bunch of you know a like number of single girls, mm -hmm. much younger, who all had worked for Robert F. Kennedy's uh, presidential campaign. They were called the Boiler Room Girls. For some, I forget the exact reason why, but and the idea was they were going to pay the girls back, I guess, by giving a cookout or it, it, it was stupid. I mean, obviously shenanigans were going on there. There's yeah. no question about it, but. Leaving that aside, so, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, doubt that. And Ted Kennedy may have been having an affair with Mary Jo Kopechny. I don't know. It, 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 you know, they went off. And as you noted, supposedly they took the wrong turn. I, I have no idea. There's also indications he may have been with one of the other girls. And Mary Jo Kopechny accidentally fell asleep in the car. There's lots of things that could have happened. But I believe personally what happened is that Ted Kennedy was either not there at all and they they somehow went and because mary joe kopechny was a teetotaler from all we've heard in real life and she had a lot of alcohol in her, in her system mm -hmm. and she also had some strange injuries as did ted kennedy he supposedly had some head injuries so there's some indications that that people think he was hit on the head the day before uh, the night before i personally believe that somehow they maneuvered uh his car with her in it he, he may have been off with another girl you know having a sex with her or something yeah, maybe drunk. I don't know. But he, but he was seen at the hotel in the middle of the night. And he came down to the lobby and asked the, the clerk what time it was or something. So and he acted completely normal. I just don't believe that he whatever else you believe about Ted Kennedy, everyone who met him, he's a good time. Charlie, you know, kind of, you know, loves to womanize and drink. But there's no indication that he uh, had uh, those kind of characteristics where he could, you know, could have somebody die and can act like that. His story of getting out of that car when athletic, younger, he had a big, a bad back, overweight, drunk, probably. Mm -hmm. He got out of the car and then swims across the channel, you know, strong water, strong current. He just, Instead of taking the ferry boat back, he swims across. I mean, ridiculous behavior after supposedly diving repeatedly. But then there's, you know, the story he went and got his... Uh, his cousin and his friend, you know, to try to help. And they, I mean, but not, they never contacted the authorities. I mean, the, the whole story makes no sense. And then he goes and sleeps and, and, and the next morning appears on a yacht of his friend and acts as if everything's fine. It's joking and laughing with the people there. Then his cousin, Joe Gargan and, and uh, Markham, his friend, 
They appear on the scene, take him aside. Kennedy turns as white as a sheet and rushes off. Now, to me, I believe that evidence shows that's where he first found out about it, that somebody contacted his cousin and told him that. And, and, and this so either I think he knew all along what happened. I think, he mm-hmm. was, you know, you know, OK, God, OK, they, they're setting me up and uh, they might as well have assassinated him because they killed his chances at the presidency. Before that happened, if that had happened, he would have cakewalked to the 1972 uh, Democratic presidential nomination. No question about it. And probably would have beaten Nixon or at least given him a good run for the money. Yeah. Uh, but there's no question he would have been the, the, the candidate. He couldn't run in 72 because of uh, Chappaquiddick. 76, even more likely, again, unquestionably, he would have been elected when Jimmy Carter was. Again, decides not to run. And then does decide to run in 1980 to challenge Carter, which was really mysterious, you know, kind of a belated moment, haphazard. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, that was a strange thing. I never did understand that part of it. But but uh, it's unfortunate because Ted Kennedy being elected president, he may have been able to uh, to expose the truth about his brother's assassinations. And I think later, of course, when when John Kennedy Jr. decided to pick up the mantle and unlike the other Kennedys, there's ample evidence. I was the first one to investigate JFK Jr.'s death in depth. I talked to uh, people from his adult inner circle and uh, from his high school days. And they verified that behind the scenes, JFK Jr. had a quest. He was obsessed with his father's assassination. He had a quest to find out who really killed him, and he was going to do it. And as a matter of fact, that Wayne Madsen, who was an investigative reporter, he told me he was set to meet with JFK Jr. Uh, a couple days after, unfortunately, he died. He was he had a meeting scheduled with him where he was going to be hired to the staff of George Magazine, and his first assignment was going to be the assassination of JFK. So uh, this was, you know, imagine what kind of, and JFK was a, Jr. was about to launch his political career. He was probably going to run for the Senate from New York, right. which, of course, was Hillary Clinton, Clinton ended up yeah. So you introduced the Clintons in there, but... Um, there's no question about it. And I think there's maybe a little bit of that now with RFK Jr. I think, and he's the first one to speak out publicly where he talks about the JFK and RFK assassinations that he doesn't believe there. And he's the first Kennedy to do that. And I believe if it wasn't for the unfortunate hereditary disorder he has where he, he his voice doesn't, it's like very hoarse and it doesn't, and he got it from actually his grandmother, Rose Kennedy, if you listen to her speak, she had that. And one of his sisters has it as well. Unfortunately, that limits his political career because right now he's a dynamo. And I think he would be wonderful to expose uh, all these things that we're talking about. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen because of his limitations. So I was going to ask about, uh, so I, actually what I was going to kind of end was with JFK Jr. And I believe it was like 1999 or, or something along those 99, lines. 99, yes. And um, he and his wife, and there was somebody else in the plane too? Was sister, his, his wife's sister, his sister-in-law. Oh, okay, so he, his wife, and his sister-in-law were in the plane. Again, I don't know how practiced he was. So I don't know what he was like as a pilot. But again, it was one of the, another one of those things that the explanation didn't make sense to me that he suddenly just kind of lost right. reference, whether what was up and what was down. And he right. thought he was pulling up. In reality, he was pulling down and, right. and plunged into the ocean. I think that was the original story, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, and this was uh, – and again, I, I, uh, I covered it in detail. I, I, I was fortunate enough to get uh, original videotape. Uh, a researcher in Texas, Scott Myers, sent me he, – he recorded it live. And thank goodness he did because later they would edit this stuff out. 
But a lot of times if you're videotaping in the days of VCR, live coverage, you get a lot of gems that get lost. And so uh, it's wonderful to watch that videotape coverage because you see the local announcers at a local television station in Boston who are talking over and over again about a 9.39 p.m. phone call from JFK Jr. to uh, the FAA uh, awaiting landing instructions and reporting everything is fine. Mm -hmm. So uh, now we're told that at 9.39 p.m. was the exact minute that his plane went into a death spiral into the sea. So obviously that's not impossible. They had to get, and they even had a Coast Guard petty officer, Todd Bergen. And I have the interview because it's on the live coverage. That's been edited out. If you try to get those tapes, you're not going to get any of this. They edited that out early on because they realized the significance. Todd Bergen was sent by the Coast Guard to be interviewed by this television station specifically about the 9.39 p.m. phone call. Now, obviously the phone call happened or the Coast Guard wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have sent a petty officer to discuss it with the television station. And they reported it over and over again. It was reported on uh, AP, UPI, major television networks. It was, it was obvious. And, uh, but once the story began to take place, the official narrative that 939 was the moment when he was crashing into the sea, and they had converted it into, oh, JFK was junior, was reckless, the weather was horrible, he shouldn't have flown. Well, I had communicated with Edward Meyer, who wrote the weather, the official weather report for that night for the FAA. And he was incensed. He, he said the media was, did nothing but to distort the truth about this. The weather was fine. It was not hazy. Kennedy was not reckless. And he was still, when I emailed him, uh, you know, in uh, 2000 and whatever it was, 2011, 12, whatever it was, uh, he was still mad about it. Saying, yeah, this is, the, you know, he, he felt just as strongly about it. So they distorted the truth. In reality, the weather wasn't bad that night. In reality, as JFK's one of his flight instructors said, he was very careful. He wasn't reckless. And he was very competent. He could make that flight. And in fact, he had made that flight many times. So, but they distorted it. They got a couple of their, you know, assets in the media and a couple, you know, alleged pilots to come on and say, oh, I've done, I've flown that many times and you can't see, you know, you get distorted so easy. And they, they quickly painted into a reckless, he should not have flown mm -hmm. and that he was responsible for it. They made him responsible. And I think some talk about the Kennedy curse, of course, too, that nonsense, but nothing about his political career. And then you had people like Chris Matthews reliable people and stooges in the media to come on afterwards and say that he wasn't planning a political career. When in fact, on one of his recent shows, he had talked about Kennedy running for the Senate from New York. But again, nobody's there to correct these guys. Nobody's there to say, wait a minute, Chris, you just had a recent show talking about it. what are you talking about? But this is what they do. And uh, like I said, I know for a fact that he was obsessed with, with his father's assassination. Uh, we know there's so many reasons. We know that there was a reporter uh, for a local newspaper called the Martha's Vineyard Gazette, which is a tiny newspaper. And this was the biggest story this newspaper ever had. There was an unnamed reporter. And I talked to the reporter for WCVB TV, who was there on the scene. And he told me he would swear in court that he met this guy. This guy existed because he talked to him. He described him. He said, I'll testify in court about it. Steve Sabraka is the name of this reporter. And uh, when I contacted the Martha's Vineyard Gazette years later, when I was writing this hidden history, I asked him about that. The editor at the time who said she had been there then claimed she didn't remember it. Now, again, this is the biggest story in the history of the paper. I said it was th this reporter, unnamed, 
was quoted in AP, UPI, National News Services. This, I'm sure they never had a story like this. Right. They would remember it. And I said, what do you mean you don't remember it? And then she stopped answering my emails. So I don't, again, I don't know what that means, but I do know no one's identified that reporter. And he, he's the one that saw the explosion in the sky at the exact same time. So he's, so he's saying that there was an explosion versus a death spiral into the ocean that right. the, the plane he, was he, exploding. Yes. He was walking on the beach and he saw an explosion. There's another uh, a lawyer, Victor Probanik, who I was unable to get in touch with, who has was interviewed about it. He uh, heard an explosion at the same time. So, you know, obviously something strange is going on. There's lots of other elements to it as well that, uh, that I write about in, in, in detail in the book. But there's no question that he was about to start a political career. There's no question that he was obsessed with the Kennedy assassination. But here's how deep the cover-up goes, Pete. Recently... A story came out in the paper, and again, it's to, people like me understand the significance of it. The general public doesn't because they're not, you know, they're not obsessed with this stuff like I am. But uh, the the resident historian of the History Channel, his name escapes me now, so you know how accurate he is about history. Right. Working for the History Channel, who claims to have been a good friend of JFK Jr.'s, which I doubt very seriously, but I never heard of him. He came out, and the story is JFK Jr didn't understand why people were obsessed with his father's assassination. And that was one subject you didn't discuss with him, he said. Now, again, I know that that's exactly contrary to the truth because people that knew him told me that. But this guy comes out and there's no Don Jeffries there to contradict him. Mm -hmm. He's And he's got the History Channel as a platform. So do you think it's just, I mean, do you think... It is literally fear of the impact of that kind of bombshell at this point. If if it were to actually ever come out, if if George Magazine had reported that, yes, Lyndon Johnson organized a conspiracy with J. Edgar Hoover and the director of the CIA and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and some and some Cuban nationals and they murdered the sitting president. They essentially did a coup with the sitting president. Do you think that that truth coming out even 35 years later was still uh, enough of a reason to to kill the son well i obviously uh, there was some reason i mean yeah. I, I think I, I think that you know they knew people that knew kennedy i mean it wasn't just me learn if i was able to learn this certainly people in power knew what he was talking about behind closed doors right and, hey, uh oh this isn't caroline you know, this is, you know, this is, you know, JFK Jr. Hey, you know, this is the son. This is Hamlet. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants to avenge his father's death. So and look at what they were up against. You talk about good looking, the sexiest man alive. Right. I mean, he, I mean, he there's he would have cake. He had no scandal. Everybody that met him. Nice guy. You know, super nice guy. Uh, he would have cakewalked to the presidency. I mean, there's a I, I don't think because they couldn't attach any scandal to him. Uh, the Kennedy magic would have been there and no Chappaquiddick or anything like that to clutter it up. So they had to do something because uh, certainly you, you compare him to, uh, you know, any other, I mean, what was, let's see, Demo John Kerry or whoever was mm -hmm. running that. There's no, they, they wouldn't have had a chance against him. So I think that they, uh, much as they had to, you know, they had to eliminate RFK, uh, JFK Jr. They certainly had to do that because you're talking about, I'm fond of talking about dominoes. The real domino mm -hmm. theory would be if uh, the truth about the JFK assassination is ever revealed, it leads to the truth about the RFK assassination, probably the MLK assassination. That might lead to the truth of Chappaquiddick. 
And then, of course, the, the, the even more, uh, you know, nastiness about the Vietnam War, the things that came because he was assassinated mm-hmm. or CIA crimes. And then eventually to the JFK Jr. assassination, which JFK Jr. assassination may lead to more crazy things that happened in the 90s during the Clintons, the Clinton body count and so forth. So all these things are connected in ways that so that. So it isn't just a matter of the 30 years in between those those individuals who may have been impacted by who may have implemented his father's assassination. More than likely, they might be either dead or incredibly old at that point. But it's the system. It's the organization. It is. It it, it is. We're protecting we're protecting. Uh, whether, you know, let's just use the CIA as an example, quote unquote, right. we're using, we got to protect the organization. We got to protect the company. Right. And it's, it's like the way the mafia, when it, when it really had a lot of power, the way they used to, to react. I mean, a crime boss would begat another crime boss and uh, they would come to power. But the, the, the way of doing business is always the same. The way our leaders do business is, I mean, people, people tell me all the time, you think everything's a conspiracy. And well, I do because I think we're being run by conspirators. So this is this is how they conduct business. It's a, it's a way they don't know any other way. They don't, you know, it's like it's like uh, Jonathan Swift uh, back, uh, you know, in the 1700s. He had a great line about the uh, the judges of his day, and he said they're so corrupt, they're so used to corruption, you can't bribe them to do the right thing. <laughs> and I think that's where we are now with our leaders. That yeah. This, this is, they're indoctrinated into this. Yes. So they don't, they don't know how to do the right thing. And I don't think you can get them to do the right thing. So these we, are, well, we give uh, them no incentive to, there's no incentive to do the right thing anymore. No. I mean, they're able no. to stay in, in their positions for their entire life. I mean, you can be, you know, elected to the Senate and it's essentially, it's a life sentence. Joe Biden's sure. been in the Senate for sure. 47 years. It's a sure. life sentence. There is no incentive for them to do the right thing because they know they're never going to be in trouble. They can be there forever. Sure. Uh, and it, and I, I don't I don't even certainly like for journalists and so forth. Is, I mean, I, I I can see their point why, you know, if you're uh, if you're a Dan Rather or somebody like that, you're making millions of dollars a year or, you know, even just a journalist that's making one hundred thousand dollars a year or something. But you have a nice life, uh, a cushy job. Uh, why rock the boat? You know, and, and you're, you're probably only going to make enemies and be drummed out of the field anyhow. You're not going to – it's not like you're going to win a Pulitzer Prize. And I think they realized early on, as Gary Webb said, I talked about him shoving himself twice in the head when he exposed uh, uh, the CIA's connection to crack uh, being introduced in the inner cities and uh, to Iran-Contra and so forth. And they ended up killing him and claimed he killed himself. But he said before he died, he said, you know, I, I had a nice career. I had won all kinds of awards. I thought I was a great journalist. He said, mm-hmm. I didn't realize I'd never gone after anything important that, that was uh, that, that, that would have rocked the boat of anyone powerful until he did this. Then he saw, whoa, his career has gone. And they ended up killing him. So, And I think that's what, you know, a lot, journalists that uh, maybe they know about these things and they realize, okay, I can't, you know, there's some things I can't. Yeah. So that journalist I talked to, uh, she probably knew, okay, wait a minute, this is too weird. A nurse obviously knew whether or not somebody worked at the school. So whatever's going on here, it's beyond me. She might have gone to her boss and said, this is odd. Why did she tell me that? And they said, yeah, you know, forget about it. Come on. You really want to write? And that's, I think that's what happens. They're afraid to, it takes a great deal of courage to, uh, you know, to talk about these things. And look at, you know, regardless of what you think of Donald Trump, just the fact that some of the issues he raised, look at the, the flack that he caught right away 
Well, the blatant you know, way like, that he has called out the media, the blatant way that he has yeah. called out the media and called out the FBI. I mean, he's he yeah. has really called out the FBI pretty hard over the course of his four yeah. years. The media is one thing. That's a nice little whipping post. You know, anybody yeah. can say something bad about them. But to call out, you know, the FBI yeah. uh, repeatedly like that is, again, yeah, it's either the height of folly or it's incredibly brave. One of the two. Right. So, but I think we see this, the fact that he, he really hasn't done. Now just imagine what he would be up against if he came out and said, you know, Hey, you know what? 9-11 was an inside job or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, something really, I think because they're going apoplectic in his little hints and tweets here and there. And uh, this is the closest thing we've had to somebody in the white house that kind of, he kind of nibbles around the edges. I mean, you he talked about another thing I wrote about. I, I'm the only one to write about it since it happened. That was the, the uh, what I think was the very strange death of Lori Klesudis, who was the aged then representative Joe Scarborough, who was found dead in his office yes. with a head wound. And, and tw Trump was tweeting about it. And so he knows. Roger Stone told me uh, when he t wanted to talk to me about how much he loved hidden history. I mean, I, I, I was amazed. And he, he told me at that time Trump was getting ready to run for president. He said, you will love Trump. He knows about all the conspiracies. And that's what he told me. He said, I've always kept that in mind. Now, why he has done what he's done or not done what he should have done, I don't know. But I do know that according to his friend of 30 years plus, he does know about these things. And you can tell when he drops hints about Vince Foster or 9-11 or JFK or something, or in this case, the death of Lori Klesudis with Joe Scarborough, he's aware of the, you know, the, the Obama birther stuff. He knows about these things. Mm -hmm. So, but well, because he spent his whole life working, at, living in that upper echelon right. of power. He lived and, and rubbed elbows with those people forever. Right. right, and I just, but I think that you know whether it's him or anybody, they, they, they. I guess they just know that they can't, uh, you know, go beyond a certain point or do anything about it because. Uh, and he still has young. Yeah. He has young children still. I mean, he has right. still has people that uh, right. that don't necessarily want to disappear and. Unfortunately, that's an all-too-real possibility, as we've t talked about endlessly tonight. It's, it's an all-too-real possibility that somebody you love or yourself will disappear very easily. Right. And, and people will just believe that you shot yourself in the head twice. Exactly. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll just believe it. Uh, right. don't, don't come out and say that you found a holistic cure to cancer because you will end up dead. <laughs> you will end up suiciding yourself. And do, yes. not, question, do not question Kennedy at all. Um, my last question, and I really appreciate your time with me. Uh, we've we've kind of gone through this whole the whole spectrum here. Um, ultimately, what do you think is the legacy of the Kennedy family? Do you think it's one ultimately of success, or is it just dominated by those tragedies that have occurred along the way? Well, it, it depends on who's who's uh, assessing it and who's writing about it. I mean, if somebody like me, as kind of a, an alternative historian. Certainly, all my writing, especially hidden history, I talk about. I mean, I, I've been accused of being a Kennedy fanboy. I guess I am, but I, I just uh, view them differently than I view most political figures, mm -hmm. and historical figures, because I think they come off pretty well. And I think the fact that so many of them have died mysteriously and unnaturally uh, tells me that they were making some pretty powerful enemies. But they were onto so, something, right? You, yes, you, they were on exactly. They were onto something, and so. I think uh, you know it's a hell of a way to get the good press, I guess, to, yeah. to, to be killed. But uh, but that's not the way the court historians view them, and and increasingly uh, they are negative about the Kennedys because the establishment, the same establishment that they that that was responsible for their that, their deaths, 
is basically writing the history. The history sure. is written by the victors. Absolutely. And so they won. There's no question about it. So other than Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book recently, which I think is a refreshing take and an insider's account, obviously, it's his family. He's going to be prejudiced, but it does give you that other side. But I think that they uh, they were a remarkable family. And, and, and the fact they've had so many tragedies it, you know, lends a real, you know, kind of a Greek tragedy element to it that's almost beyond belief. But uh, I, I don't ascribe to that. I don't believe it's a Kennedy curse or Greek tragedy. I think that they uh, there's so many of them and they are connected to so many uh, important uh, high crimes, I guess. Certainly mm-hmm. the, the JFK assassination alone, you know, is connected to so many things. But JFK assassination, RFK assassination, Chappaquiddick, JFK Jr. assassination, those things, those four alone are huge, huge uh, incidents that impacted the, uh, the America's history in ways we can't even understand. So the powers that be have a vested interest in suppressing the truth about that and also in painting a picture of those of the Kennedys uh, that is not positive so that people will be less interested in them because, you know, after all, well, they weren't that, you know, why should I care so much why they died? They weren't that great anyhow. Mm -hmm. You know, they were kind of, they were were corrupt. Uh, They were constantly, you know, abusing women or whatever they want to case they were doing, certainly womanizers and uh, connected all these disreputable people. They didn't really accomplish anything. And that's the the popular mantra. And uh, I hope I've, in my writing, I've tried to counter that and show that they, uh, were substantial and they did try they weren't able to accomplish too much because they did get killed but they attempted to do things and uh, i think that's what's important that uh, they were profiles in courage well thank you so much again don for for joining me tonight it sounds like anybody who's interested you need to pick up hidden history an expose of modern crimes conspiracies and cover-ups in American politics. That's basically what the source material we've been talking about tonight, right, Don? Am I, am I correct? Yes, the Kennedy stuff comes from that book, yeah. So, you know, that's that's obviously one to pick up, uh, as well as the ones that I mentioned previously in our lead-up tonight. Before we go real quick, though, Don, is there anything else that you're currently working on right now that you wanted to, to plug for just a moment? Or uh, obviously we can find you find more about you on donaldjeffries.wordpress.com. That's where your, your blog is that, right, that right, you publish to. Exactly. Yeah. I well, I've, I'm working on a book about what I call the pandemic. I'm working mm-hmm. about the craziness. Uh, my pub, two publishers have rejected it. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. I'm hoping I can get somebody, or I may self-publish it. I don't know. I, I have to finish it, and I have my book on showbiz that's been done for a while. I'm still searching for a publisher for that. Uh, beyond that, I'm probably going to write a book about the injustice system. Next, no. where I'm going to concentrate on all the unfairly convicted and people that spent all the years, you know, just mm-hmm. tales of injustice. That's probably going to be my next project, but uh, I'm always busy writing something. All right. Once again, donaldjeffries.wordpress.com, and you can find his books on amazon.com as well. Thanks again for joining me, Don. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Appreciate yeah, that. Thanks so much, Pete. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thanks. Okay. Take care. You too. All right. Uh, Donald Jeffries, that was a long one. We actually had to split that up into two episodes to make sure we got that all in. There was a lot of history there regarding the Kennedy family. And I think as the farther we get away from everything that went on, especially, you know, this is, we're talking the early 20th century here when this began through till 2000, you know, to till, till the current century. So for basically 100 years, this family dominated the American consciousness, the American lifestyle, the American uh, culture. Between Joe, John, Robert, Teddy, 
John Jr., uh, even the tangentially associated people. You know, Maria Shriver, there are so that that family goes so deep, you know, between the original branch and then all the cousins and, and secondary branches of that family. And they're all incredibly powerful. Like he said, that there, there was a Camelot atmosphere to the family. Unfortunately, there was a ton of tragedy, but maybe that is because they were getting, uh, they were on to something. You know, they were, they were a little too disruptive to the establishment the way it was. And, and if one thing we've ever learned in life, it's to not rock the boat, unfortunately. The establishment almost always wins. And I think that that was one of the big takeaways, again, from the, the 2016 election for one, was just the fact that the establishment was expecting uh, just the continuance of the Barack Obama uh, administration with Hillary Clinton, and then somehow or another, Donald Trump was elected. Uh, it was just shocking. We hadn't seen anything like that in a long time, and I think Donald Jeffries had, had mentioned that a couple of times in our discussion over the last couple of days. So I don't know, what you, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you even have thoughts? I, and I know, again, the history of the Kennedys, to his point, has been clouded and has been tamped down a bit through as time has gone on. You know, um, a lot of those, the dirt, quote unquote, that um, maybe wasn't reported or was hidden previously has now started to come out. Uh, and maybe we've had some selective writing of history. The history is written by the victors. And obviously, whomever was orchestrating the elimination of these individuals, whether actually physically killing them or just uh, killing their political career, they won. So they had the ability to to write the history as they saw, saw fit. And uh, it hasn't been kind, for the most part, to the Kennedys. But they are at the right at the edge now, I think, of really losing relevance in our society. I don't think that most younger people have any indication at all of, of who they were or what they were. So I'm old enough. I'm just at an age where I still was around for most of them. Um, but a lot of the kids nowadays don't. So some things like this, I think, are, are fun to talk about because it does bring some of those things that those people that were incredibly relevant for their time, uh, made a huge impact on the world. We are still talking about John Kennedy. His inaugural speech is still being played. People are still quoting it now. May not even know who they're quoting. These kids may not even know who they're quoting, but they're quoting John Kennedy. Just very interesting stuff. What do you think? If you have any comments, you can contact us on our Gmail account. It's provemewrongcast at gmail.com. You can also drop us a line on our Facebook or Instagram pages. It's just Prove Me Wrong. It's the name of the program. Look us up. Like and subscribe to the page. I would appreciate that. Also, if you're looking just for more opportunity to listen to the podcast itself, we are on basically any type of podcast platform that you can find. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Tuned In, Stitcher, Apple, the iTunes. So any podcast platform that you have, you can find the Prove Me Wrong podcast. Like and subscribe to the show, and you'll be notified when a brand new episode is released. We typically release them once a week. So every week you'll be notified when a brand new episode releases, something like this. And you can um, you can be the first on your block to listen to the Prove Me Wrong podcast. We are also on YouTube, and we're on Rumble.com. And Rumble.com is a brand new video service, very similar to YouTube. So you can find us on both of those platforms, Rumble.com and YouTube. Dot com search for the prove me wrong podcast like and subscribe to the show and again you'll be notified when a brand new episode is released if you like what you hear 
please leave us a review. Make a comment. Let us know what you like. Give us some suggestions also if there are other shows or other topics that you are interested in talking about. Before I go tonight, the Prove Me Wrong podcast is brought to you by Zendozone Citronella Burners from J.T. Eaton. They are shaped like fearless bug repellent tiki gods, and I've got one right here. This one is Surf and Stan. You can see him. He's looking in the uh, camera. Hi, everybody. So let Surf and Stan, Hawaiian Howie, and Luau Lily bring the islands back to your backyard with Zendozone Citronella Burners. Zendozone uses natural 3% citronella candles and incense cones like I showed you there. They're perfect for patios, decks, backyards, campsites, poolside, and more. You can enjoy the outdoors again. They are available at Amazon.com and at Ace Hardware, so go ahead and um, obtain them all today. So once again, for Donald Jeffries, my, my guest tonight, we were talking, again, really the basically the source material was Hidden History, an expose of modern crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups in American politics. There's a lot of information in there. The Kennedy assassination was some of it, but there was you know, a lot of, of information. So if you're interested, pick up that book from Donald. Again, you can find it on Amazon.com. So for the Premier On Podcast, this is Pete Lieb, and we will talk to you again soon.